This is Corinne. And this is Ayani. And you're listening to Sex, Love, Literature, a pop culture podcast where we take a semi-scholarly look at why and how the sex stuff in media matters. This episode, on the recommendation of an SLL listener, we're excited to do a deep dive into the Japanese drama Rinko-san Wants to Try. The thing she wants to try is having sex. (laughs) (laughs) We get into how the show complicates conceptions of virginity, plays with the friends with benefits trope, and maybe get in our feelings a little bit about a second female lead who really got under Ayani's skin. Yeah, I don't like her. If you want to recommend a text for us to discuss, let us know on Instagram, Twitter, or threads at sexlovelit. And don't forget to subscribe and to rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcast platforms. As a note, this episode was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, along with their counterparts in other industries and countries who also deserve fair wages and labor protections, none of the work we discuss here or in other episodes would exist. All right, let's dive in. Hello, hello, SLL listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Sex, Love, Literature. As always, we are super excited to have you here listening to us, with us, kind of, today. (laughs) So so before we started recording, Corinne and I were chatting about what we should banter about before we got started. And the the pre-banter banter. banter. (laughs) (laughs) The pre-banter, yes. And I was kind of drawing a blank because for the first time, I think we're very ahead on the recording of our episodes. We're recording this in early September. It's Labor Day today. So that's kind of exciting, taking our day off to do some podcasting. But you're not going to hear this episode until October. So you'll be in a completely different season. (laughs) It'll be (laughs) like... A month and a half later almost. So I don't know. We're bantering about now feels a little weird because it's going to be later. I mean, yeah, we're kind of a little bit like removing that like layer of remove that like pretends that we record something and then you immediately get to hear it. That's never true. <laughs> but now it's even like less true because uh, we're telling you how far in advance we recorded this. Yeah, and I guess it matters less when like someone listens to the episode a year later. They don't they don't know. There's been a lot of time passing, but it just feels kind of kind of I don't know. I was like we we could banter about the beginning of the semester, but by the time you listen to it, you'll be like, "Mm, Ayani, the semester's It's the middle of like the semester." <laughs> yeah. Like midterms so. are happening. <laughs> oh god. Oh, but then you say that, I'm like, "Don't advance their lives though." Like <laughs> it feels so far away. Not that I have to deal with midterms, but like you will. I mean, no. I have to. Gra- I have to grade papers. Okay. But. Okay. So midterm grading, but not. Let's not start our podcast talking about grading, though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ruin everybody's mood. So why don't we just slide right in to our favorite segment? <laughs> What's sparking joy? <laughs> Uh-huh. Grin, what is What's Sparking Joy? What's Sparking Joy is when we talk about a piece of pop culture that we are watching, reading, or listening to that is currently sparking joy for us. So, Ayani, what is sparking joy for you? What's sparking joy for me, 
and has been sparking joy for me for a very long time is New Jeans. But very specifically, <laughs> pop okay, first of all, what, what is New Jeans? Uh, if people listening to the show don't know what New Jeans <laughs> is, I can't help them. No, I'm kidding. Uh, New Jeans is a relatively new K-pop girl group that has kind of exploded in popularity over the mm-hmm. last year. They released their first single, single Attention, back in 20, what, 2022, I think. Yeah, and it was maybe summer 2022, and apparently there was no fanfare. It just dropped, and people were like, what is this? It's amazing. And then they dropped another single shortly after that and then dropped their first EP. And due to a variety of reasons, uh, especially popularity on TikTok, Mm -hmm. New Jeans has kind of exploded. And I like them a lot. I think they're really fun. And I did not realize they were all teenagers until I listened to an episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour that was put out on the 31st of August in 2023 that focused very much on the meteoric rise of New Jeans, but also interestingly about how they're produced both as a group and their music production. And what I Mm -hmm. realized, which I kind of had a feeling for, but it's nice to be acknowledged, is that the music is pulling a lot on some of my personal favorite genres of music. So there's a lot pulling on like old R&B, there's pulling on house music, there's pulling on dance music. And their newest single, what is it, Get Up, I think? Or not single, excuse me, their newest EP pulls a lot, a lot on like 90s dance music and early Mm -hmm. 2000 stuff. There's one song uh, that they talk about in the pop culture happy hour episode that could have been a Craig David song. And I was like, oh, throw me back to being a young teenager in like 2000. My goodness. So I don't know. It was really interesting to kind of hear this take from music experts on Mm -hmm. new jeans and what they're doing in their production. And it kind of gave me a more nuanced appreciation beyond me just being like, hey, new jeans makes me want to dance around my living room. Um, And a more nuanced appreciation of kind of the work that is going into like how the group is being put together. So that sparked a lot of joy for me. And it's a good episode. So if you like new jeans, I highly recommend listening to it. You and Corinne's the one that told me I should listen to it in the first place. So shout out to you, Corinne, for sparking joy for me. Yeah, I am a longtime pop culture happy hour listener. I think since 2014 when I lived in Poland and like wanted to hear American accents. <laughs> That's really when I started <laughs> listening to podcasts. <laughs> it's funny. I always think of a pop culture happy hour as like the patron saint of our show. You know, we look up yeah, to them a lot in a of lot our- of ways. A lot of our uh, bones, I don't know, that's a weird way to put it, but a lot of like our foundation (laughs) as a podcast comes from me being like, well, they do this on PCHH. (laughs) What should we do? (laughs) I know you balked at bones, but I kind of like, like, yes, all bones, (laughs) a pop culture happy hour. It's kind of macabre. I kind of like it. (laughs) You know, bones, roots, foundation, whatever metaphor we want to go with. Anyway, I'm going to talk about what's sparking joy for me now. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so uh, that is the K-drama, My Dearest. The first half, so the first 10 episodes aired in mostly in August. And the second half, so the second 10 episodes are supposed to air sometime in October. So as you listen to this, uh, part two of My Dearest either will be about to air or will have just started airing. It is a historical K-drama set 
starting in about 1636. So with the Qing invasion of Joseon, which I now have done research on because I wanted to know more context. Uh, But it's this sort of epic romance uh, that's happening against this backdrop of war and invasion. And the two main actors are so, so, so good. I wasn't familiar with the main actor before. Uh, his name is Nam Kung Min. Uh, but I have seen the main actress. Her name is Anun Jin in Hospital Playlist before. And she is so, so good. Honestly, the, the main actor is also amazing. They're, and their chemistry is really good. But they have this mm. very will-they-won't-they push-and-pull relationship that is super fascinating to watch. And the show is also taking a lot of... Uh, I don't want to say it's an adaptation of Gone with the Wind, but it is pulling hmm. a lot of cues from like that romance and something that is very, yeah, you're making a face, Ayani. No, yeah, I was just curious, like in what, in what way? In the way that they meet each other in this, and in their romantic relationship happening against this backdrop of war so because mm. you know the gone with the wind happens a lot against the backdrop of like the civil war and mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. Kind, you know it's potentially uh problematic to put it very mildly in uh, its <laughs> confederacy and slavery uh, apologisms mm. but well <laughs> this uh this drama does not have that going <laughs> on <laughs> but it does have oh, that yeah, same that would be from left field <laughs> but it does have a sort of sweeping possibly doomed from the start romantic relationship that is very very compelling and something that has been really interesting because I just watched the 10th episode so the one before the break and everyone is extremely angry at the female lead (laughs) for a choice that she made but I'm just like this isn't the end this is intermission what did you expect them to let us sit comfortably during this time (laughs) like that never gonna happen (laughs) so you mean everyone like outside of the show not everyone in the show oh yeah everyone outside of the show also everyone in the show is also very upset oh so just everybody's (laughs) pissed apparently okay everybody's like not not doing well i mean gilche the character didn't have any good choices available to her and Mm. something that is so interesting to me about her as a character she's almost more interesting to me than the than the male lead is that she's so she's like in her small village she's a noble woman but she is such a flirt and has like all of the men in love with her and like plays everyone like a fiddle until the main guy comes to town and he's like a merchant bad boy kind of figure and so Mm -hmm. she doesn't she can't like wrap him around her little finger in the same way Ah, okay but part of that is because she's so smart that she's like bored so then when the war comes mm. and she actually has to, like, do things to, like, survive with, like, her bestie and her maid and her bestie's maid, they, like, she, she is the one who, like, will take the knife and, like, kill the invader. Like. Ah, okay. 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 So she, if you if you give her a little bit too much rope, she might hang herself. But if she has enough <laughs> going on, then she's the one that you should turn to in a pinch. So okay. that is very fun for me. <laughs> I can see why this sparks joy for you, TBH. Like, this is right up your alley in a lot of ways. Yeah, so sparking joy for me, my dearest, currently available on Vicky. And yeah, highly recommend 
looking for, checking out uh, if you're into historicals or epic romance, and especially both. (laughs) And that has been another fantastic round of What's Sparking Joy, in which joy was sparked, we were happy, (laughs) and also both talked about things in August. So once again, I am reminded that this episode will come out much later (laughs) than when we were Okay, I I was looking forward to the second half of my dearest dropping. I thought about time. (laughs) Not to malign your thinking, Corinne, my, my deepest apology. <laughs> I mean, I'm also watching, like, two or three other K-dramas and two C-dramas, so, like, I didn't mention those. <laughs> well, you you just did, though. <laughs> By name. Oh, okay. By name, yes. <laughs> so, actually, that's a good place to kind of swing into what we're talking about today, because we're mixing things up a little bit. We're not talking about a K-drama. We're not talking about a C-drama. Today, we are talking about a J-drama, which Yay! is a Japanese drama. So I'm excited because that means I can actually kind of pronounce people's names. Um, so we are going to be talking about the Japanese drama Rinko-san Wants to Try, which we watched on Viki. It's a lot of fun. I think we have a lot of very interesting things to say about it. So I'll dive right into the summary so that we can get on with our conversation. To start, Rinko Amaki, played by Kaho Takara, is 27 years old and single. She works as a wedding planner and has been promoted to chief of wedding planners. She is recognized for her excellent work at her job and also as a person with a good heart, but she has a complex. That is, she is still a virgin. Meanwhile, her colleague <laughs> Dun dun Gen- dun. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Meanwhile, her colleague Gen Kamisaka, who's played by Shota Tosuka, is also 27 years old and single. He has the most contracts as a wedding planner. He is also very attractive. Rinko Amaki happens to know that Gen Kamisaka is also a version that she finds out through, let's say, some meddlesome mishaps. So Rinko invites Kamisaka to a love motel. So thank you, Asian Wiki, for that description (laughs) (laughs) that I technically had to reread a couple times. But the fun thing about this is that it's actually based on a web manga uh, with the same name by Miho Fujita, uh, which is a lot of fun. And we'll talk a little bit about how manga plays into the story itself. But as you can see, this kind of a story, this story particularly was right up our alley for having Mm -hmm. a discussion. And if I'm not mistaken, this was recommended to us by one of our listeners, right? Yeah, one of our listeners reached out on Instagram and was like, hey, so I saw this J-drama and want to know what you think about it uh and this was a while ago because we're behind on everything all the time uh but we finally watched it (laughs) and so it is a pretty short drama which I think is part of why I finally picked it up because it was like in the back of my mind for a while but it's eight episodes Mm. that are about 20 minutes long so it's like really concise and was a good sort of break from some of the more epic tragedy that I have been uh mired in lately (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah completely different but yeah, so then I picked it up and was like, oh, this not only is this doing a lot with sex and virginity, it, it also plays with a lot of uh, 
romantic tropes. So like love triangles, enemies slash rivals to lovers, friends with benefits, first love, and so on. So it packs a lot in there in those eight episodes. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think also because the episodes are short, it kind of pulls you along Mm -hmm. pretty easily. It didn't feel like anything really dragged for me. Yeah, I watched it. So Ayani watched it spread out over about the course of a week, and I watched it twice. (laughs) But both times I watched (laughs) all of it in one evening. (laughs) So I didn't realize the second time you watched it in one night, too. Man, you're out here bragging. I've already passed you in my Rinko rewatch. (laughs) That's because you watched it in one night, Corinne. (laughs) Yeah, that's because it's very watchable in one night. I mean, eight eight 20-minute episodes is not that much longer than, like, a movie. So. (laughs) I'm not going to argue that point, but I'll keep going. So just to give a quick rundown of the major characters, we have... Yoichi Hiyama, who's played by Kenta Izuka, (laughs) he is the second male lead for the show. Mm -hmm. He's a 30-something photographer whose good looks are like the talk of all of the staff at this wedding planning agency. But he's really interested in Rinko and really wants to date her and makes that known. I think he's interesting because he's a little bit older than the rest of the cast. Like, I don't – if I'm remembering correctly, he's not like 30 – He's maybe like 33, 34. His, his character is 35. He's 35? Yeah. So definitively older than the rest of the cast, but not so much older that he's like out of appropriate dating range, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Sonoko Kiba, who's played by Yoon, who I always appreciate an actor who has like just one name. Uh, <laughs> but she's Rinko's bluntly honest best friend who is kind of an interesting character. I don't know if she's fleshed out as much as we would like, but she's very to the point and wants the best for Rinko and will be kind of like, you know, you're you're fucking up right now, right? You know, you're being kind of ridiculous and I appreciated that about her. We also have Naokuji, who's played by Hiroki Ijima. He's Kamisaka's best friend from high school who bartends at a local bar, <laughs> which is called Bar Warm which is an interesting name for a bar. Uh, And he likes to meddle. He sticks his nose into people's affairs, which I guess is kind of plays into the bartender trope in a way. It's also, he I think is also largely like a useful plot device. Like he's the reason that Rinko finds out that Kamisaka is a virgin. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's it's not meddling in a, I don't know. It's not in a malicious way. Yeah. yeah, It's in a like, playful kind of way Mm -hmm. and because it's a rom-com there are certain things that we kind of let slide that if it was real life it'd be like oh that was way out of line bro shouldn't just be talking about people's sexual lives with strangers it's fine and last but certainly not least because i have a lot of feelings about her we have shiho you know who's played by biwako kake and she's kamisaka's high school crush and his first love, who is using the wedding planning services uh, and then causes a lot of meddlesome trouble. But we'll come back. We'll come back to Shiho. So what are your first reactions, first thoughts? On so Michael I do Sun? actually – before we dive into first reactions, I want to give a couple of caveats here. Uh, sure, one please. is, <laughs> as always, this is not going to be a spoiler-free analysis. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. But, again, because this is, like, a pretty brief rom-com, 
you can when you watch it, you already kind of know where it's going anyway. So mm-hmm. that won't necessarily mm-hmm. take away from your enjoyment. But if you'd rather go in spoiler free, we like it, we recommend it, you can watch it and come back. And the second thing, which is always the case, is that we are two American women. <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> we we are coming from an American cultural context. So while we are analyzing a J-drama and looking at the text for what it is, we are not necessarily familiar with like the specifics of Japanese culture and are looking at it from our more Western lens. So always the case, but something I just wanted to make sure was clear up front. Awesome. So Corinne, what are your <laughs> first reactions to Rinko-san? So I thought this drama was super charming. Uh, the first time... Mm. so. I've watched it twice. <laughs> very normal. Uh, I mean, that is actually very normal academic behavior. I don't know that it's normal yes. casual viewer behavior. <laughs> well, I mean, the show straddles the line between those two. So I'm going to yes. give you the benefit of the doubt here. But yeah, I thought it was super charming. I thought Rinko was very, very funny. I yeah. think particularly the second time through, I appreciated how comedic, particularly with physical humor, the actress was Mm. and like how she used her body and like how she walked and like a lot of her very sort of over-the-top facial reactions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought the romance was compelling and I also thought it was you know kind of hot (laughs) so uh yeah I enjoyed it it was it was fun enough that I watched it and was like hey hey Ayani I know I'm already making you watch something for the podcast but can I make you watch something else And honestly, it was pretty easy to pick up when you made that suggestion. So I also really enjoyed the show. I enjoyed Rinko-san a lot. I think for me, a lot of the driver was Rinko as a character. I thought she Mm -hmm. was a lot of fun to follow and a lot of fun to have as a POV character. And she also kind of reminded me of my favorite Japanese singer, Utada, a little bit. So I was perhaps a little already biased in her favor (laughs) (laughs) but wrinkle was i think a really compelling rom-com heroine to follow and to pay attention Mm -hmm. to and i was thusly interested in her exploits i hmm how do i want to put this because I kind of already knew where I wanted it to go, sometimes I think I got more annoyed with some of the other characters and perhaps necessary. But that's because, as you said, it's – I don't necessarily think from a plot standpoint they're trying to do anything new and exciting, which I don't think they have to. I don't think every mm-hmm. show needs to, like, completely surprise you when it comes to the plot. I think they're doing some other interesting things when it comes to how we think about sex and sexuality, right? But – it made me I text Corinne angrily, kind of like, no, why is she bothering with Mr. Hyama? She needs to just go be with Kamisaku-kun and be happy because I know that's what's coming and that's what they need to do and stop stressing mm-hmm. me out. So it's interesting watching this kind of after we did hit the spot, I want to say, last year mm-hmm. because I think they occupy an interesting similar space of kind of like – I'll just, for lack of better terms, say like slightly smutty rom-com. Right? Slightly slutty rom-com that's more short smutty, form content. Smutty, not slutty. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I meant to say smutty. I don't know what I said. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's sort of like slightly smutty rom-com where you know where things are going, but the interesting part is how they are going to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it was interesting to have that as a comparison point, but to see how Rinko-san stands on its own. And also, 
<laughs> this is one that I made the decision that I should just watch it <laughs> in, on my iPad in my bedroom at night <laughs> and not in the living room. I think it's interesting because Bridgerton, I feel like I can get away with watching like on the TV. Oh, interesting. Because I think Bridgerton, I would consider Bridgerton way more explicit. I think so. That I, and that's perhaps something I need to unpack for me. But like with Rinko-san, I made the decision that this was going to be something that I watched before bed just so that I, you know, wasn't in the middle. So those are kind of my initial thoughts to it. I I did really like it, though. I'm glad that we made the decision to do the show on this because I don't know if I would have watched it otherwise. Mm -hmm. So thinking then about some of the themes that this drama focused on and kind of brought to the surface, uh, I kind of want to start us off by talking about, <laughs> it's maybe obvious, but virginity and how the oh, show no is one saw using... that coming. No one at all. But I mean, Nobody. the way that the show is thinking about virginity and showing how these, particularly how these characters are thinking about virginity, I think mm. is very mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Like our introduction to Rinko is as this 27-year-old woman who like essentially mm -hmm. who has it all basically she's great at her job she's hot she has a lot of friends or at least enough friends her career right. is like taking off she's very very put together everyone at work thinks she's perfect but she feels this pressure because she lacks as she puts it like standing on the balcony like <laughs> yelling to the world like <laughs> not necessarily literally but that because she lacks sexual experience that she doesn't have it all like that that is like right. the quote missing puzzle piece in her life yeah the puzzle motif actually was really interesting running throughout the show mm -hmm. um because even in the opening it was kind of like puzzle pieces coming together so Rinko is a little I don't want to say obsessed that makes it sound negative but she's a little hung up on these pieces of her life that she feels are mm -hmm. missing and the fact that she in her own words, has no sexual experience is something that she feels makes her lacking, right? Mm -hmm. That leaves her wanting of this kind of perfect ideal of womanhood. I won't even say femininity because I think it's more like this is the kind of woman that I want to be and the kind of woman I want to be has sexual experience, which I think well, is interesting. And I do think it's – so like comparing and, – and a comparison that comes up is like between Rinko and Shiho, the second female lead, is that Rinko feels this expectation not only just to have sexual experience but also to be like good at sex. Because like mm -hmm. she has a crush mm -hmm. on Hiyama who ends up being the second male lead and she overhears him talking to another character, like a, a side throwaway character, about how right. he like prefers like a more mature experienced woman and sh and she's like – oh no like I don't have any experience like it and then like when he asks her out later she like runs away essentially because she's like I will be a disappointment <laughs> because of the, of the kind of person that I am he expects me to be great at this and mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing and I never don't know what I'm doing so like I have to know and the thing that was really funny for that sequence for me is I did not take when he said a mature experienced woman to actually mean sex i took it to mean like life experiences like mm -hmm. you've gone out and you've gone places and you've met interesting people however the young lady that he was speaking to was very convinced that he meets sex and she was like oh i have plenty of experiences <laughs> which then of course causes rinko to have a, a panic attack so 
Yeah, and this is something that I think has come up in a lot of our discussions, but that interesting dynamic of inexperience and experience and how you get to that place mm-hmm. and I'm making a big kind of like gesture with my hands of like I have experience and that in some way is a kind of I don't know value judgment that you can make on yourself well it, it's both a value judgment you make on yourself and I think one that is at least in the west is often like set up as you know we have like the virgin whore dichotomy like you're if you're a woman you're either a virgin or you're a whore uh and it is interesting that like that the whore side of it does i need to stop saying that but like that side of it doesn't come up i i don't like I also don't support the idea that women who have had sex are whores. Just like to oh no be no no, clear. I don't think anybody took it that way. That's just the the what is it like the shorthand for yeah it's the shorthand um, for a, a patriarchal view of women. Let's just say. Mm-hmm. But so first of all, that isn't the deal here. But no. I think the drama also does a lot of work to also further undermine that as a binary because one of the things Mm. that happens once Rinko and uh, Kamisaka do have sex the first time is that she's like, wait. And she she has like a line that the subtitle is translated as like, with only one experience, what exactly will be different from being a virgin? Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which I think was really interesting in sort of in practically undermining the like, hey, this isn't actually like you have sex one time and then you are a sex goddess. Like there, are, <laughs> <laughs> there are like lots of things that like you still haven't done yet, or maybe don't know about, or aren't comfortable with. And I think that was a really interesting thing to see. Sure, and I think kind of building off of that, she has sex by the end of episode two. Yeah, so so for some for some context, oh, yeah, really quickly. So the way that uh, Rinko and Kamisaka's relationship progresses mm-hmm. is Rinko finds out that Kamisaka. For people who haven't seen the drama, Rinko finds right. out she happens to run into him at the bar. The bartender spills bar warm. Spill- <laughs> bar warm. <laughs> uh, the bartender <laughs> spills that Kamisaka is a virgin who is still hung up on his ex, and in a very uh, not his ex. No, sorry, not his ex. His first crush love from high school who was like Mm -hmm. framed in an ex-ish kind of way but like they never even like got off the ground Ah, i I didn't take it that way but go ahead okay that that's totally fine i'm not like no we can come back to that i think it's interesting but go ahead but so he the bartender tells rinko that kamisaka is a virgin rinko is trying to lose her virginity and her criteria essentially is to find someone to sleep with who won't laugh at her or judge her for being a virgin and then also won't gossip mm-hmm. about it and she's like ding 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 kamisaka also a virgin therefore will not judge me or laugh at me or tell anybody yep. about it because he's in the mm-hmm. same boat mm-hmm. so she drags him to a love motel and is like let's have sex let's do it and then gets very nervous and is like i am also a virgin i am not ready and then <laughs> they they make an agreement to meet the next week yes. to have sex and then that turns into a friends with benefits relationship yep. where they like agree to like keep sleeping with each other on tuesdays rico's day off <laughs> until <laughs> they are quote like comfortable enough to stand on their own two feet so that's right. the setup for people who have not seen the drama 
right, 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 right. Their their mutual deflowering agreement is the first <laughs> one. Yes. And then the first second agreement is like until uh, agreement until we can both all stand on our own two feet or something like that, or mm-hmm. support ourselves or something of that nature. Oh, we were talking about wrinkle and virginity, right? Mm-hmm. So and how she has sex pretty early. Yeah, so she has sex pretty early. It's episode two. Mm-hmm. So even though it's kind of like the the premise is almost set up as Wrinkle wants to lose her virginity, that's what we're going to be talking about. It very quickly shifts away from that, mm-hmm. which I think kind of begs the bigger question of like, how do we think of sexual experience, but also how do we think of sexual experiences mm-hmm. in a sense? Because they do show us both Rinko and Kamisaka losing their virginity, right? But mm-hmm. then we also get, I want to say at least two more sequences of them. There's the back one and then I think two at his house. Yeah, yeah. So we get three more instances of them having sex. We get to see the growth of their sexual relationship and how their interactions with each other change. So it's kind of like an interesting way of depicting them gaining experience on the screen, uh, Mm -hmm. which which I think might be a useful thing to kind of think about. Perhaps not right now because I think we're focused on virginity right now. We might want to come back to that. So what do we think about Rinko's first time? Even though that's not like the the thing that the, the is the linchpin of the entire show, I do think it's the first time we see a sexual interaction, right? And mm-hmm. I think it sets up a lot of the dynamic between between Rinko and Kamisaka. Uh, and when mm-hmm. I say the first time, I mean like, yes, the first time they have sex, but also that initial kind of meeting where she's pretending like she has all this experience and stuff. The first time when they don't have sex. <laughs> right, exactly. So so what are your kind of reactions to that? What are things that jumped out at you? So two thoughts. The first is that it is interesting the way that Rinko, while she is very, very confident and knows exactly what she's doing in every other aspect of her life, when she mm-hmm. and Kamisaka are like getting it on, she becomes a lot more sort of passive and unsure i'm not sure if passive is exactly what i mean but i don't think it's the wrong word but i'll explain what i mean go ahead okay but like she becomes a lot more just unsure of what she's doing which is a really really interesting contrast and she also sort of Mm -hmm. lets out a much more cute side when she's Mm -hmm. with kamisaka Mm -hmm. uh once she starts getting like a little bit more comfortable and even like sort of acknowledging her discomfort allows her to be I mean they frame it as like very cute that she like is sort of like uncomfortable and unsure and like Mm self-conscious but like the being those things doesn't make her unattractive I should say right Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then the second thing is that the first time that she does end up having sex with Kamisaka it is not it doesn't seem that pleasurable i guess Mm -mm. Mm -mm. like it it's it doesn't seem like i don't want to go so far as to say that it's like it's certainly not like a salty or anything like that no 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 but it is kind of like uncomfortable a little bit like and not super sexy yeah yeah so something i think is interesting kind of building off both of those points is that Kamisaka is really the 
I don't want to say he's aggressor, but he takes the lead. He really takes the lead in both of these circumstances, which I think is interesting because they're both supposed to be inexperienced versions, right? That mm-hmm. Kamisaka hasn't – the way it's set up, the what information we get, Kamisaka has been hung up on his high school love and has not had experiences since then. So it was very interesting to me that Kamisaka is – the one who is taking the lead. He's the one that's taking off his shirt and unhooking Rinko's bra and is kind of making the advances and moving forward and is the one who caresses her face and is like, if it hurts, tell me and I can stop for you. Like, it's it's very much, mm-hmm. he projects a kind of experience that I don't necessarily think that he has, which I thought was kind mm-hmm. of interesting. But I think part of that is because of who the, probably the target audience of the show is for, Right. I'm thinking, and you are welcome to disagree with me here, but I, I think based on the fact that the manga that the um that the show is based on was for like women, it was a Jose manga, I think the audience here is expected to be younger women, women in their twenties, thirties, forties, going on from there. Could you define Jose manga really quick? Sure, of course. So I, a lot of people who are familiar with manga probably have heard of shonen and shoujo manga. Shonen manga are mangas that are targeted, and I use targeted very specifically, towards like boys and young men, whereas shoujo manga is targeted towards younger women and girls. Subsequently, there's also uh, senen and jose manga, which are targeted towards older audiences. So they take on themes that are more, I don't want to say more advanced, but that's what I'm going to say, more advanced, perhaps more violent, more sexual, etc. So Senen stories are more for older men, and then Jose stories are targeted towards older women. So, um, And by older, you mean like 20s and 30s? 20s and 30s, yeah. Okay. Um, But it doesn't mean that anyone can enjoy these stories. Like, I love a good shonen story. I shoujo stories make me cry all the time so like it's more who the specific target demographic is oh yeah the the actual audience can always vary from the target demographic exactly exactly uh and rinko-san wants to try from looking at it was more of a jose manga so targeted towards women older women and so i assume that that would be kind of like the expected carryover for this version of rinko as well Um, Mm -hmm. and I think there's a bit of a sense of like, Rinko takes on a bit more passive role, I think. Like the first time they're together, she kind of goes limp (laughs) in a sense, because there's a sense of letting someone take charge that can sometimes appear, I think, in Jose stories. Yeah. Specifically to set this scene, like she goes limp specifically when he unhooks her bra. Um, Yeah. Because I think that's the moment of- When he picks her up in a hug. When he picks her up in a hug, she's mm. limp, and then he goes and hooks her bra. So it's the moment that he, like, throws ah, his okay. arms around her that she kind of reacts by going limp. Mm-hmm. There's, okay, like, yeah. a deliberate lack of control, I think, that happens. Um, mm-hmm. And I can I can throw um, – not to talk about this for too long, but I can throw an article in the chat that I read that was about <laughs> a little about pornography. But it's about um, pornography targeted towards women and how they're – in a lot of older stories, there was this kind of lack of control that allowed, and I'm putting quotes around this, but allowed women to like truly be their sexual selves. So I think we might be seeing like some threads of that here, but Mm -hmm. yeah. 
But shoot, I was going to say something else about their actual first time. Oh, yeah. The fact that you're saying that it didn't seem like Rinko-san really enjoyed it, I 110% (laughs) agree. And at first, I think that made me... I, I kind of felt a little bit of dissonance because I think the music and the lighting and the way that the camera was blurry was setting it up as being this very kind of like romantic thing. But then mm-hmm. she seemed to not be having the best. I think she actually cried, if yeah, I so remember like, so correctly. To, to set the scene a little bit. Yeah. So they're at the Love Motel. It's the second time they've met there. Rinko has turned down getting dinner with her crush because she gets super self-conscious about like <laughs> – not being ready to have sex with him. So mm-hmm, she ends up mm-hmm. keeping the date with uh, Kamisaka to have sex. And she spends 20 minutes talking about <laughs> ground rules. She's very she's very big on rules, which is something I appreciate because she likes to, she likes to set expectations. Yeah, including no kinky stuff. He cannot ask for kinky no, stuff. <laughs> no kinky stuff. And another thing that the first time I watched it that I was like, okay, girl, whatever, is she, like, sets the rule that, like, no kissing because, quote, that's something she only does with her boyfriend who is imaginary. <laughs> she doesn't have a boyfriend. And the first time I watched it, I was like, what is this? Pretty women, pretty woman? Like, what are you doing, Rinko? <laughs> she was definitely playing a role in that one. She was like, this is what – experienced mature ladies say she's ridiculous i love it please continue <laughs> but yeah so they for like 20 minutes she's like on the bed like sitting on her so like kneeling like sitting on her feet wearing mm-hmm. this white dress with her hair kind of like in waves instead of very straight which sort of like softened. it was a very cute look it was a very cute like romantic kind of look mm-hmm. uh, and she's clearly procrastinating <laughs> <laughs> the moment when they like finally have sex and Kamisaka's like, okay, I I get it. You you are repeating yourself at this point. And that is when he like takes the lead and then uh she I think also when does she take off her dress or does he take off her dress? I think he takes off her dress. And she's immediately kind of self-conscious about her body. Yes, uh, she covers up. Mm-hmm. And about like with her arms revealing that, and she, at, at that point she is still wearing like her bra and her underwear, so like mm-hmm. she isn't like naked. And I, I will also say this drama, it, it isn't as explicit as like hit the spot. Like we don't no. see, we, we know when they have sex, but we don't like, for example, know when they have an orgasm or that right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we don't see the same kind of nudity um, that right. like we saw and hit the spot. So while mm-hmm. being kind of explicit i don't think it crosses the line into like necessarily being pornographic what would you say ayani i wouldn't call it softcore i think it's very yeah they're very careful a lot of things are more hidden i wonder if that's has to do with how it was aired Mm -hmm. like on network television versus being web because hit the spot was a web drama if i remember correctly yeah and And rinko-san is not a web drama Mm -hmm. yeah so Ringo Sun was aired on TV. So there's different rules and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, um, they, they have that moment. And then it there's sort of a time jump where we see their clothes on the floor. And then they're both covered in the sheet. And Kamisaka is on top. And Rinko Sun has – she has very big eyes. Like that actress had like yes. huge eyes. And she's very wide-eyed and looked kind of nervous. Um, and he's on top and is like – like does it hurt are you okay i don't remember exactly what he says but then it has that like line of like if it if like if it's too much like i can stop and then mm-hmm. they have sex she maybe like 
she doesn't cry, but her eyes do sort of like well up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Almost like she's overwhelmed, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not more than that she's like, I don't know, maybe she's like a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't, I kind of took it to be like symbolic of putting quote unquote the pain of having sex for the first time because they weren't gonna show that (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I think they kind of wanted because because pain came up you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I think they kind of wanted to nod to the fact that perhaps this was not the most pleasurable for her Mm -hmm. so and then they have sex and then uh, we like sort of cut again and Kamisaka is sitting on a chair smoking and she is lying on the bed under the sheet like I am not a virgin anymore huh wild (laughs) Uh, but like it is I think very interesting that in a drama of this kind that the first time isn't it isn't that sexy it is kind of something Mm -hmm. that like they have to get through almost Hmm. hmm in order to be able to, like, I don't know, actually get to a point where they, like, enjoy having sex with each other. Though I will say I think Kamisaka is set up as being attractive and desirable and sexy in the sequence in a way that Rinko is not. Okay. Yeah, I- I'll buy that. Yeah, because there's the fuzzy light. He's bare-chested. You know, he talks softly. There's the romantic music. So he's kind of set up in contrast to Rinko's anxiousness or nervousness. Let's do nervousness. It's it feels like they're almost in two different scenes. I know it's a scene together. I'm not trying to say it was badly put together, but it like there's a split in how they're being viewed, and I think that's on purpose. I do. Th- so I kind of want to fast forward a little bit to think about. So sure. in episode seven, we get Kamisaka's point of view. Like it goes back through mm, a lot of mm-hmm, the pivotal mm-hmm. events of the drama, and in in the version where we see essentially Rinko's perspective on their first time. He does seem like very sort of in control and like he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Did that did that get revised for you at all when we saw that sequence from his point of view? So while I really did appreciate the sequence from his point of view, I liked seeing his mindset. The line that stands out to me is, um, and it's not a direct quote, but pretty much he said, when I see that someone else is more nervous than me, that allows me to not be nervous anymore. So the fact that Rinko mm-hmm. was nervous enabled him to be able to be forward and kind of take control. So mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't change how I viewed it, especially since I think we as audience members are supposed to be viewing him in a particular kind of way. I did appreciate kind of seeing the more cute internal monologue for him mm-hmm. when he was sitting over there smoking and thinking about the fact that he wasn't a virgin anymore but not not in the sequence itself for me did mm-hmm. it change for you though it sounds like it might have well one of one of the lines from when he's like thinking back on it i think and when he's smoking afterward is that like he doesn't really remember it because he was just sort mm. of frantic to get through it which mm-hmm. i think maybe made him seem a little bit more human maybe and that like maybe he didn't know exactly what he was doing and while he did also like have this maybe front of being like confident he also was just kind of like okay like the only way out is through a little bit <laughs> what a choice of words there Corinne, don't, but all right <laughs> don't, don't look at don't don't poke at that too closely <laughs> oh boy no, I, I see what you're saying, though, and I, I don't disagree. 
I think they wanted to kind of give that contextualization that, you know, he was also, he was also nervous and he was also figuring, figuring out, I guess, his body and her body at the same time. Mm -hmm. But that makes me actually want to slide into, (laughs) slide into thinking about the conversation that's happening between first love and your first time Mm -hmm. in the show. Because while Farinko, Kamisaka is her first time and also it doesn't I don't get the sense that like she's had big love relationships before based on mm-hmm. her conversations with Sonoko I feel like Kamisaka becomes her first love in a sense but mm-hmm. Rinko is not Kamisaka's first love I do, so I do before before we get into Kamisaka who we, we learn a lot more about I do want to note that I think it's interesting that we never Rinko's romantic past is kind of left as a blank slate for us. Like we don't even mm. know if she's really kissed anybody before or if she's had any right. crushes on any like that none of that is addressed. She mm-hmm. she certainly doesn't have anyone she's hung up on now and we know she hasn't had sex. We don't know if she's done anything else because I do want to like note that in real life there is like not everyone who hasn't had sex has like never had any like oh, no, romantic relationships sure. of any kind. I'm just thinking about her conversations with Sonoko though and mm-hmm. like when they go to the um to the group date with her and then another younger person I get the sense that Rinko is even inexperienced in that regard like Sonoko yeah, seems that a little she bit hasn't like, really dated that seems true the fact that like I only kiss my boyfriend was what she decided to say to Kamisaka you know I I get the sense that it's not just sexual inexperience but more romantic experience largely not that she's never had crushes before but Mm -hmm. i it doesn't seem like based on based on context clues that she's had a boyfriend yeah okay you know but it is i think interesting that we are assuming that and it is never said explicitly no i agree i agree i agree yeah that's really interesting i'm glad you brought that up actually because it was something that I just kind of assumed but you're right it's never explicitly said that she has no romantic experience I think Sonoko was just very frank with her about things and I was like yeah I feel like they've had conversations about stuff like this before this feels Mm -hmm. this feels like a familiar kind of thing for them but what I was getting to is that Kamisaka's first love factors in majorly in kind of like what the second act of this drama Mm -hmm. um so shiho appears at their wedding planning agency because she's getting ready to or she's been proposed to by a doctor and they've got to plan their wedding so rinko recognizes her name from when (laughs) From when our bartender, our meddling bartender, was talking all about Kamisaka's first love and is desperate to keep Shiho from running into Kamisaka. Of course, they run into each other when Shiho is trying on a wedding dress because, of course, that's what happens. Um, mm-hmm. But then it starts this whole movement of Rinko making assumptions about Kamisaka and Shiho's relationship. Of course, there has to be trials and tribulations in any rom com. But Shiho kind of becomes the crux of that. Not to to dodge talking about it, because I think I have <laughs> Shiho is an interesting character for me because I feel like she did some really annoying things that 
because we're getting it from Rinko's perspective, I perhaps <laughs> am more annoyed by. Like, mm-hmm. she, she shows up at Kamisaka's house one night, and I'm like, girl, you haven't seen this man in 10 years, and you're just going to show up at his house crying? Okay. But, 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 I wanted to throw it to you. What are some of your thoughts? Because I know we have talked on this show at length about how we feel about first loves coming and, like, fucking everything up. It's very annoying. But mm-hmm. what are your reactions to how Rinko-san wants to try handles the first love? So I think it's very interesting in how it handles the first love thing because it is told to us and to Rinko that the reason Kamisaka mm-hmm. hasn't had sex and is also still a virgin at, I don't know, I think he's also like 27, uh, is because he is hung up on this girl mm-hmm. he had a huge mm-hmm. crush on in high school and the first and you know there's like that trope of like your first love you will love forever you will never get over them and if you are ever in competition with a first love you will lose because that is the uh, ultimate (laughs) love situation (laughs) but (laughs) sorry the way you said you will lose (laughs) (laughs) but like the drama is specifically putting Rinko and Kamisaka's first time relationship in contrast with and sort of in battle almost with this like hmm. first romantic first love situation. So it's hmm. kind of like which which first which kind of first love will win and also which first love is more legitimate or stronger. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I I think legitimate is an interesting word to use here too because one of the things that keeps coming up is the difference between like childish love and adult love Mm -hmm. you know our bartender had a quote i think this was either i think this was episode seven right because it was from Mm -hmm. that was the one from kamisaka's perspective but adult love is heavy painful and a hassle as opposed to the light fluffiness and you know of childhood love of your your high school crush or whatever so it's almost like a juxtaposition of not just the first love but of like the difference between a first childish love and a first adult love because mm-hmm. Rinko's friend Sonoko also says you know she kind of like congratulates her on having her first adult love relationship mm-hmm. I, I do want to know it is it is a very funny scene when Sonoko does that because she, like, gets her a fruit tart with a candle on it and has her, like, blow at the candle, like, congrats, you're not a virgin anymore. You did it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a good scene. That was a good scene. So it's kind of like Kamisaka's first love perhaps doesn't win, but they are also each other's first adult love, and that lends mm-hmm. it a kind of legitimacy as far as the drama is concerned. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too because Sonoko tries to manage Rinko's expectations about the relationship mm-hmm. and be like, you know, just because you have sex doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to get married one day, paraphrasing, right? And that it's risky to try to risky to fall in love with the first person that you have sex with. Mm-hmm. You know? Now that makes me want to ask you a question because, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think Sonoko is set up as being a naysayer or being very negative. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
where the drama ultimately ends up is very different than the expectations that she was trying to set. So how do we feel about like, and I know this isn't on our outline, but the role that Sonoko is playing as kind of like the truth teller realist. I mean, I think that she's, she's, and it's interesting there because she's right. And it's almost like she, yes. as as the snarky bestie, both exists in the rom-com world, but also like, exists with one foot in the real world in a kind mm-hmm, of way mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the thing the moment where I was like oh I like her she's funny <laughs> is <laughs> after Rinko and uh, Kamisaka have the agreement to you know keep having sex until they can stand on their own two, two feet and Rinko is like this is such a good idea I'm gonna get all the experience that I need this is so great uh, so Noko is like so you're you're friends with benefits then like that's <laughs> that, that's what that means <laughs> <laughs> and Rinko's like, no, I would never. And Sonoko's like, but that's, that's what it is, <laughs> but though. But you are. <laughs> but you are, though. So it's almost like she takes off the glossy veneer a little bit of, like, rom-com mm-hmm. expectations of a Friends with Benefits situation to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. almost remind viewers and Rinko that, like, this isn't necessarily how, like, this is this turns out all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's almost like a teeny tiny bit of did- didacticism in the middle of your rom-com fantasiness. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it didacticism so much as just like a reality reminder person. Mm, a reality check. Yeah. Yeah, a reality check. That's that's a that's a phrase that exists. <laughs> I mean, reality reminder is like <laughs> alliterative, so I support it, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What's also interesting is that the show sets us up to, or the show wants us, I believe, to root for the friends with benefits to get together. Mm -hmm. So even though we have Hiyama-san, who is handsome and has a good career and is talented and really likes Rinko, you know, he doesn't really stand a chance. Right. And no. we kind of know this coming in. And even though Shio is set up as being like kind and sweet and beautiful, you know, she's just in the way. <laughs> she, you know, mm-hmm. no one's rooting for her to get with Kamisaka. She is she is purposely set up to be in the way and do all of the things to make Rinko feel self-conscious. Um, like okay, I had a point, but real quick, I just want to fuss about this. So <laughs> at one point in the narrative. Rinko and Sonoko are at the bar having a drink and talking about her relationship with Kamisaka and how Shiho showed up and how cute she is and all that kind of stuff. And then Shiho and Kamisaka come into the same bar because of There's course. only one bar in the city, clearly. There's only one bar. But also they are the only people who go to the bar. <laughs> right? Because they're the only people we ever see at the bar. Ever, ever, ever. But they kind of have this conversation in which Rinko is obviously not being true to her feelings. And it comes to the point where they're kind of joking that this is Shiho's last date before she's a married woman. And I'm like, ma'am, you have a whole fiance. Why are you joking about going on a last date with a man that you haven't seen in 10 years? And mm-hmm. holding up on his arm and is like, will you be my last date, Kamisaka-kun? I don't know. It was trifling to me. That seemed like some <laughs> trifling behavior. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Like, I would have not 
you know, when I'm planning my wedding, go hug up on one of my guy friends and be like, yeah, it's not like you get my last date. It's not like you get a hall pass for like your high school crush right before you get married. <laughs> right. Like what? You know, and I, I know, I know there's some context that like her marriage or her, her fiance and her were on the rocks or whatever, not on the rocks, but we're having a difficult time. Um, but I was just like, wow, you kind of trifling. She, everyone's like, oh, she's a sweet girl. I'm like, mm, but she hugging up on some man in a bar while she's planning for her wedding. I don't know. I ain't like her. However, what was my <laughs> point? I got mad about Shiho and I then I got distracted. I think point was that you don't like Shiho. <laughs> no, no. We were actually like leading up to something and then I got mad about Shiho. We were, t- oh, friends with benefits. Friends with benefits. Ah. We're set up to root for the friends with benefits to get together Mm -hmm. and while I was on board for this I wanted them to be happy I think it's an interesting kind of trope to think about right because there are plenty of stories about friends with benefits like there was literally a movie you know years ago called friends with benefits right was that Mm -hmm. the one with Mila Kunitz and Justin Timberlake yeah there were like two that came out at the same time that were like the same story yeah Yeah, no strings attached and friends with benefits I think I th- didn't no strings attached just come out. Isn't that a new one? I thought that was I one with like. Anyway, the, it is a it is a long time Doesn't trope. <laughs> yeah. So the question that we were kind of boiling over in our brains is, I'm going to use the word should right, but should we be rooting for friends with benefits to get together? Are we convinced by these kinds of stories? And how would we feel if like the friends with benefits didn't get together? Is that the kind of story that we'd want to see? So I was rooting for them to get together and also knew they would get together because of the genre that we are in. Sure. But I also think I would have been, if this was a different genre where this was allowed, I also think I maybe would have been also fine if they didn't get together. Because So the Mm -hmm. other drama that this made me kind of want to go back and watch is actually the K-drama Nevertheless, where the female lead in that one has a friend benefits situation. And in that one, sorry, spoilers for nevertheless, but they get together at the end. And in that one, I really, really wanted them to not end up together. Mm, Like I mm -hmm. deeply wanted that because it was a horrible idea. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh But the reason in nevertheless why I didn't want them to end up together is because the male lead was a fuck boy. Mm -hmm. And then they set up the story to suggest that he changed to suddenly not being a fuck boy anymore yeah okay uh yeah it would it would have been a better drama if they hadn't ended up hand, hadn't ended up together but i think in rinko-san rinko and well kamisaka isn't a fuck boy i guess no Mm-mm. like they both when they have this sexual relationship with the agreement that they are just having sex and not developing feelings mm-hmm. which you know was a lie <laughs> totally worked for them I think I believed this setup that they were both more of their quote unquote true selves when they were together, Mm -hmm. particularly Mm -hmm. more than they were at work where they both had this, where they both have like a very effective facade of being like a very efficient, very good, Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. solid worker uh, who is good at their jobs and also like has, have this like illusion of perfection that right. mm-hmm. the end that that screen went down for both of them when they were together and mm-hmm. like developing the mm-hmm. sexual relationship and like allowed themselves to be more vulnerable yeah yeah i think 
I think we were both we were set up to see both of them as at the core of it good people. Mm-hmm. Uh and particularly Kamisaka as more than just friends with benefits material, mm-hmm. right? And there's quotes around material. Well, I mean, like, it was super cute and nice, like, when he wanted to, like, cuddle afterward, like, when she came to his house to have, mm-hmm. to have sex, um, as opposed to going to the motel for the first time. And when he, like, right. gave her a toothbrush and was like, yeah, like, you're, I'll, yeah, I'll keep it. Like, you'll be back, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I think I texted you and was like, that's, oh, yeah. that's couple stuff right there. You don't leave a toothbrush at your fuck buddy's house. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you do. <laughs> maybe you do. What do if I it's, know? If it's I like don't a, know what the youths do. <laughs> I was going to, I was about to say something real racy. Uh, and now I'm going to say it, but with the acknowledgement that it's racy, but if it's like a repeat <laughs> customer. <laughs> 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 She's a repeat customer. Okay, Corinne. <laughs> I don't know. You ain't got to go like... Actually, I mean, when you have a toothbrush, that suggests that you'll still be there in the morning and that you sleep there and right. not that you like go mm-hmm. home after the deed is done. Right. Exactly. Exactly. There is there is a sense of uh, attachment, continuation, in mm-hmm. leaving a toothbrush at somebody's house. Where are we going with this? I got so distracted by you saying repeat customer. <laughs> Oh, rooting, rooting for the friends. Yeah, so Kamizaka is set yeah. up as, as someone you'd want to have your toothbrush at their house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which also, I guess, implies that he's not bringing other people in to brush their teeth. So yeah, I, I, the story does its work to make you interested and invested in them getting together. But I do think it's a good trope to interrogate, especially when we think of, you know, real life situations. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just are mm-hmm. friends with benefits with somebody and that's what it ends up being. It doesn't mean you then have to get married, um, which is also the implication at the end of this show is that they love each other and one day they will walk down the aisle. That that ever that ever straight line to marriage being the final goal. Oh, yeah, that fake my wedding sarcasm, at the end. It's there. Yeah, the, so for people who haven't seen it, the drama ends with like a fake wedding situation and like Kamisaka has them like oh you can just think of this as rehearsal for the real thing it's like absolutely not boo boo to that I was on board with everything but that (laughs) also it's very weird so it feels like in the context of the show and I don't know much about like the marriage industrial complex in Japan right (laughs) but this felt like a one-stop shop where you get a dress and I Part of me feels like it's dress rental, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. You get a dress. You can plan your destination wedding. You can pick your location. Like, they do all of that stuff. You get your photos done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it was funny because at the start of the episode, in which also at this point, Rinko has decided to date Hiyama-san and let Kamisaka go because she thinks that he's with Shio, which, like – I'm gonna leave that one alone. But okay, so for for slightly more context, we have the two competing love triangles with Rinko, Hiyama, oh, yes, yes, and yes, Kamisaka, yes. and then the love triangle with Rinko, Kamisaka, and Shiho, and they yes. both think that the other person romantically likes the other person more. So that causes tension. She essentially breaks it off with because nobody can talk about their feelings. <laughs> well, that's because they agreed in the rules not to have feelings. I'm just shaking my head. Continue. I mean, I agree. They both should have, like, talked about their feelings. But also, like, t- 
talking about your feelings is hard. Yes, but I feel like assuming that he is getting with his feet, a woman who already has a fiance is even harder. She did that to herself, but it's, it's fine. Anyhow, the point is they have both made the decision separately that the other one is in love with the other member of the love triangle. Uh, however, they're at a staff meeting with all of the people who are part of this um, wedding planning industry or wedding planning company. And their boss is like, we're going to do a fake wedding for promo. But instead of hiring actors to do this, we're models. just going to use some oh <laughs> models. Instead of hiring models to do this, we're just going to use some of our staff because they're hot. So this is fine. And when I, like, I saw that, I was like, modeling is like a skill. It's not like a thing pe- that hot people can just do. And also your boss being like, yeah, we've got some hot people. Hey, you two hotties, come take these photos. This is really weird. I'd be very uncomfortable if this was like my office. Like even if I wasn't involved, I'm like, you shouldn't be talking about my colleagues in this way. It's bizarre. <laughs> but yeah, so like while I normally do love the, oh my goodness, I've seen my love interest in a wedding dress because she's trying it on for some reason. Maybe... T- for crime, maybe for something. I love the yes. trope. <laughs> shout out to Extraordinary Attorney Wu. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big shout out to that one. That's exactly what I was thinking of. You read my mind. The, it was kind of weird, the the whole wedding tie-in for this one with the fake wedding. But yeah, I can I can leave that there. I can leave that there. I think we've talked about a lot of the things that rose to the surface for us with mm-hmm. Rinko, some with the show. But are there any kind of last lingering thoughts that you have about it that we didn't touch on something that you want to make sure we talk about before we close out I do think it's an interesting sort of addition almost to like there is I have in my head and I've seen a lot more k-dramas than I have j-dramas like I'm not very Mm -hmm. familiar with like the Japanese drama situation but I do have like a list of dramas in my head that that feature or focus on like a main female lead who is like late 20s like around 30 and is in this position of Mm -hmm. like not having been in a romantic relationship or like not having had sex and being like concerned about Mm -hmm. that and I think that is something that is something that I know that I have seen more commonly in East Asian media than I have in American media Hmm. um so the one that I'm thinking of specifically is because this is my first life Mm. that was such a good drama and and I think that is an interesting concern to have and to mm. – and, and I also – okay, this is where I'm going with this, is that even though Rinko is very, very concerned about still being a virgin at 27, I don't actually think that she is being condemned by that or condemned for that no. by the drama mm-hmm. in any significant way. Instead, the drama is like taking taking pains to be like – to, to make Rinko seem like a lot more normal and human and this just being like a thing that like happens and is fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think what it does is it takes her concerns seriously yeah. without it being like a catastrophic kind of like – it takes her seriously without being like, yes, this is an actual problem. Yeah, it, it takes her seriously without confirming it as like a real character flaw. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think that's a, a great strength of the drama that it does mm-hmm. that, that it's able to kind of walk that line. Yeah, I think we can say we enjoyed Rinko-san Wants to Try. We're glad that she tried and got in all of her attempts. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, we spent a lot of time talking about how, like, vaguely uncomfortable her first time was. 
the additional times were much sexier. Oh, yes, indeed. And she definitely gets more and more into it with each time. Mm -hmm. I think the final time we see them have sex uh, when they're holding each other and Mm -hmm. it's very sweaty. Or is that the final time? Or is the last time when they're – well, there's a time where they're holding each other and they're upright and they're really sweaty and it was very hot. And the lighting was like blue and red. It was very interesting. It was a very well done scene. But Wrinkleson Mm -hmm. has a good time. She has a good time. Well, and it is a a contribution to the (laughs) growing canon. So thinking about like when we talked about sex education of acknowledging sex as a learned skill and not just like Mm. a switch that you can flip on. I think Mm -hmm. it was contributing to that. Yeah, that's a really smart way to kind of kind of close us out here. If you take anything away from our episodes, folks, it's that sex is a learned skill. You get better. <laughs> I was not expecting that to be like the thing that came out of our podcast. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally joking. I mean, I'm joking, but also it's not inaccurate. But I'm joking. I'm joking. So <laughs> You're joking, but also like not joking. Yeah. That's real though. <laughs> it's real, but also I'm kidding. But it's real. So... <laughs> So what do we have coming up in the future, and which is the far-flung future from us in this moment for sex love literature? Yeah, so two episodes that we have coming up that, you know, sometimes we're liars, so we don't know when they'll come out. Uh, but we are planning to do an episode on the excellent Chinese drama Lost You Forever, part mm, one, mm-hmm. that I have successfully bullied Aeon into watching. I am so excited to talk about it. <laughs> uh, and as a branch out from that, that may actually come out before the Lost You Forever episode, uh, depending on the timing. We are thinking about doing a Halloween special episode with a trope spotlight on demon love interests. Yes, I'm very excited about that one. We'll probably be recording the Demon Lover one maybe shortly before this episode comes out. So if all goes according to plan, I hope you all are very excited for that one, as excited as I am in this very moment. And I'm also looking forward to talking about Lost You Forever. I think I'm only, what, I think I just watched episode 10. So Mm -hmm. my feelings are formulating but we'll see where they are by the time i finish this i guess this run of Mm -hmm. the drama yes and lost you forever i think has it's been long enough that i think i can comfortably say that it is now officially my top c drama Ooh, well that means you all should really look forward to our conversation because crin has uh has not steered me wrong when it comes to c dramas yet you know it's gonna be hard to follow up um love between fairy and devil but we'll see We'll see where this goes. If you want to make sure you know when these episodes go live and to get other fun behind-the-scenes tidbits about us and about sex love literature, we actually just did a really fun one, uh, which I guess will be a month ago at this point, on (laughs) who people are gazing at for our female gaze episode, which was a lot of fun. You can follow us on Instagram at sexlovelit, all one word. We are also technically on Twitter and threads, but for the most juicy content, you can follow us on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to our episode on Rinko-san Wants to Try. We look forward to seeing you for future episodes and we'll see you next time. Happy October. Oh, happy October. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Bye.